This is the Employment Law Show. Back at it. It could be a simple severance question. Could be uh, something about a constructive dismissal, wrongful dismissal, you know, deciphering what both of those mean. If you don't know, maybe it's about a layoff, a temporary layoff. Could be a harassment thing. Doesn't matter. We covered all. The answers are here. You've got some time to call in, so use that phone number. Use your email, help at employmentlawyer.ca. John Scholes here. And uh, Andrew uh, Goldberg here as well, courtesy Sam Furu to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, answering those questions. Lots of stuff to get through on the show, including when an employer cannot let you go. And if we got time, we'll get into situations that trigger employment law disputes. But, uh, Andrew, we always start with the case of the day. What you got cooking, pal? Hey, John. Uh, so I wanted to briefly talk uh, about individuals who may have been put on a layoff at some point during the pandemic, many of which were laid off at the beginning of the pandemic, others at some point, you know, throughout 2020, 2021, maybe even this year, uh, that have not been recalled to work. And this is important because, you know, we've talked on the show many times about the fact that employers to begin with uh, likely were not legally entitled to lay individuals off in the manner that they have. But even if you're an individual who was laid off and you fall into the group where the employer was entitled to place you on a layoff, or maybe you even accepted the layoff, um, the layoff period that was kind of permitted by the government has now come to an end. So anyone that is still on a layoff, your employment would be considered terminated and you are entitled to severance. And there are still many people out there that fall into that bucket and we get calls from these people all the time. So you know, if you're one of those people, even if you found, you know, temporary work to hold you over in the meantime, uh, you still would have severance entitlements. And it's important that, you know, you give us a call so that we can, you know, pursue those for you, especially for those people who are without income for, you know, such a significant period of time. Let me ask you this, though, for the uh, entire time they were off on this layoff, now that it's done, has their seniority also increased with that time? Meaning if they if they went off in this layoff with a 15-year employee, now they're a 16- or 17-year employee, does that add to their potential severance if they're let go those years? Well, it's actually an interesting question. So there's kind of two ways to approach these layoff situations. One is to say that you know the employer was never entitled to put someone on a layoff to begin with, okay? Mm-hmm. And by doing that that amounts to the you know constructive dismissal or termination of their employment. If that's the argument you're going with, then the years that you were on a layoff wouldn't count towards your seniority because you're pretty much saying, well, you were fired before, you know, the layoff, so to speak, at the time of the layoff, right? But but now that the kind of layoff period has come to an end, if you're if you were still on a layoff, mm-hmm. then we would say that the end of the period is the termination date. And you would have been terminated effectively the end of July when the what's called IDEL layoff period ended. And those years of service would have accrued um, if you were off for two years from 2020 or you know a year and a half or what have you. So it, it's kind of situational. But for those that are still on a layoff, likely the years of service would count. Got a couple calls we're lining up now. Just get those ready. In the meantime, uh, this, when an employer cannot let you go, point number one, some of these may surprise you. So, uh, so tuck in and listen closely. You cannot be let go because you are sick and cannot work. Expand on that for me, pal. Well, you know, if you're out there and you are, you know, you have an illness or some, even it would apply to an injury, but if for medical reasons, you are unable to work, 
um, then your employment is protected by human rights legislation in, in the province and across the country. So if for medical reasons you cannot do your job and you have to be home, then should the, an employer try to let you go during your medical leave, then not only would you be entitled to severance, but that would be a human rights violation. That would be discriminatory conduct contrary to the human rights legislation. And uh, definitely a huge concern. It, you know, it, Surprisingly, I mean, you'd think that that's kind of common knowledge by now, but it's amazing the things that employers do time and time again that we hear about and, and we're shocked to hear that you know these things happen, but they do. Um, so it's important that people know that if you have medical issues, your employment is protected. Employer cannot let you go. You cannot be let go if you have a drug or alcohol problem. How about that? Right. And that one's a, you know, having acted for employers as well, that one's a tricky one because, you know, you, if you have someone in the workplace that's you suspect or know is on drugs or is taking alcohol and is inebriated at work, you know, you're obviously going to have concern about their well being and the well being of your employees generally that interact with that person or even customers or what have you. But, and, and you want to do something about it. But that doesn't mean the solution is to fire that person. And the reason for that is drug or alcohol use, you know, very well could be part, part of an addiction, right? It could be mm -hmm. an addiction problem. And if, if the individual does have an addiction to drug or alcohol, then that too is protected as a disability, disability under yeah. human rights legislation, right? So, you know, it, that one's a tricky one because if it's a one-off, you know, someone is drinking at lunch and has way too many drinks and comes back. That's one thing. But if, if it's, if they're an alcoholic and they have legitimate issues with alcoholism, that's another thing. And you as an employer are very unlikely going to know, you know, the employees aren't necessarily admitting to you, nor do they have to, Oh, by the right. way, I'm an alcoholic or this, that, or the other. Right. So you have to be very careful. And, um, as an employee, if, if you're being penalized or you're fired for drug or alcohol use, and you do have an addiction, then, it very well could be the case that that termination was discriminatory as well. By the way, anytime you're puzzled by anything we talk about here in the show, if we've expanded on it, but you need more information, you can reach out to Andrew and his team anytime. one 821 5900 is the way you do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Let's try to get uh, Joan back on here. Hey, Joan, uh, we got you this time? Yes, yes. Beautiful. Hey, Good. What's on, your, what's on your mind? Okay, well, um, I was um, put off for 10 months and I did not get any call. They did not call me back because I didn't take the vaccine because I was scared in a way to take the vaccine because I was losing weight. So I didn't want to go and take the vaccine. So when I went to the doctor, she told me that oh, she can't do that. So I have to come home. And then no, no money, nothing. I just waiting and I don't get anything. I worked right. in the facility for 20 years. Right. Okay. And um, so there's many people in your situation that have either not wanted to get the vaccine for, for what, you know, a variety of reasons, or who are even medically unable to be vaccinated. And if you're placed on a layoff, like you have been for 10 months, um, then you very likely could treat the employment as being terminated if they don't call you back and you want to pursue a severance. So, you know, we would need more information regarding um, the situations about, you know, your work environment, your contract, if you have one, things of that nature. But if you want to do something about it, 
such as pursue a severance, which is something you very well might be able to do, you can give our firm a call and we'll set you up with one of our lawyers and uh, and explain the process. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you, Joan. Appreciate uh, your time this evening. I had to reach out to Andrew, as I mentioned momentarily. It was uh, 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. And we'll get back into our, uh, our talking points here when an employer cannot let you go. Number three is this. You cannot be let go for any reason related to a pregnancy or a paternal leave. How about that? Right. And, you know, that's one I know we were speaking of, you know, a few minutes ago about things yep. that should be common sense. Um, I mean, all employers should know that if someone's on a parental leave or pregnancy leave, that their employment is protected and you cannot let that person go. But it surprisingly happens all the time. And in fact, I would say it's probably one of the more common things that come across my desk when it comes to discrimination. And what's interesting is, you know, it's protected not only by human rights legislation, but also the you know Employment Standards Act, the employment legislation. There's a specific leave of absence for you know pregnant women, and also for anyone who's on a parental leave, you know, taking care for a kid. So um, if you are let go, then you know you can pursue actually reinstatement to your job and back pay. Um, but one thing to keep in mind is when it comes to pregnancy and parental leave it's not always as overt as, oh, we're firing you during your pregnancy leave or, oh, we don't want you to take off 18 months, so we're just going to fire you now. It it typically is more subtle where people come back to work or try to come back to work and all of a sudden their job isn't what it once was before and they don't have the duties and responsibilities they had and they're not being treated the same way. And that's what we see happen time and time again. And even if that's what's happening to you, you still have rights in that situation and possibly can pursue what's called a constructive dismissal claim being, you know, I'm being treated unfairly at work or the terms of my employment, i.e. my tasks and responsibilities have changed. So I want to treat this employment relationship as being over and pursue a severance. That's kind of what we see uh, more frequently. And it's kind of something we uh, we kind of touched on last night during the show, Andrew, and that is if you're off on that paternity leave and you come back to work, it's got to be the same job, same thing you had when you left, right? They can't shove you down a different wing of the building or a different job, different pay. It's got to be what you left 18 months ago, if you're taking 18 months, right? Right. It has to be your job, or if, if oh. your exact job doesn't exist for legitimate reasons, it has to be an extremely comparable job, right? Like, I mean, if we're talking about little subtle changes, if your company implemented a new software that didn't exist before you left and right then now you have to use it and you don't like it like i mean that's not that's not going to get her done but if you you know had if you were a manager and before you left and now they're trying to put you into a kind of frontline role um that's you know something that's far less than you're used to and entitled to that's that's going to be completely unacceptable We'll take a short break, line up some calls. you got some time still. Continue. Lots more Employment Law Show is on the way. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address we use. Your email might eventually get on the show, by the way. We might, uh, we might bring that up. And another website built, constructed just for you a few years ago. It's free, it's anonymous, and it's full of employment law information. And uh, you can use that anytime you would like. Pocket Employment Lawyer. 
Ca just getting our calls lined up here. We're going to get back into our topic for uh, for the evening, Andrew. When an employer cannot let you go, number four, you cannot be let go if you complain about workplace harassment. Give me details on that. Right. So, I mean, this is kind of one of the most important areas of employment law, in my opinion, because you know how many times have we been on the show and we've had individuals call in about their workplace situation and the mistreatment they're being subjected to, whether it be you know, bullying or sexual harassment or what have you, but they're too scared to say anything because they don't want to lose their job or mm. be penalized in some way, right? Like, I mean, this is, we hear this all the time. And our legal system specifically provides protection for these people in the sense that if you complain about workplace harassment, or, well, I don't, you know, or if you raise issues about workplace harassment, I mean, I don't know if complain's the right word because sometimes it's justified, obviously. Um, and you're, you know, penalized or fired as a result. That's what's considered a reprisal. And you could have significant entitlements if that happens to you. And the entire reason that this regime is in place is to really, really show employers that, look, if an employee comes to you and has the strength to raise workplace harassment issues and you penalize them for that, you are going to get dinged hard financially and also in terms of, you know, all kinds of other things that they'll have to do in the workplace to rectify it. We got to one more of these. Uh, and by the way, before I get to recall, when an employer cannot let you go, you cannot be let go if the company is trying to avoid paying money it owes you. How about that? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that's an that's another good one. I I mean, in the sense that if you're simply trying to, you know, pursue the money that's owed to you because you're you've worked your job or you've worked overtime and or you're you know you you've owed vacation pay or what have you and you're trying to get those amounts of money for you, once again, a uh, company will be you know is not able to fire you. It'd be an unlawful to terminate you in that situation. And you again, not only would you be entitled to severance, but you could have significant additional entitlements as well and can perhaps even get your job back depending on the situation. So that's that's one that definitely comes up. And if you're not paid money that you've worked for and are otherwise entitled to, that's a big problem. I think it's somebody that's in a sales role who, uh, you know, the commission structure would, would give way to something like this if it came out to be a problem. Now, as far as the, you know, uh, quote unquote, I'm using quotation signs, rules are concerned. If you're in sales and your part of the sale has gone through, you're just awaiting payment. Um, if your job is done, you haven't been paid yet, you got let go. They still owe you what you worked for, right? Even though they, they haven't been paid for. Right, exactly. That's an excellent point. If And, and that's something that companies kind of intentionally do right. in the sense that they'll fire people that have just earned their commission. They've made the sale. Um, the the client has agreed to a certain scope of work and and but the money just hasn't come in so the company's like oh if we just fire this person then maybe we just won't pay them right the commission salesperson no. but no of course if you've earned and accrued the commission by having done the work to go into it that it's in that you're entitled to it the fact that they haven't paid you and you've now been fired is not going to stop you from being able to pursue that money does that the same sort of rule apply for someone who was getting for however many times over years a regular bonus, maybe a Christmas bonus, a timely bonus, and then and then the company again tries to be cute and let you go a month or two before a big bonus is supposed to be paid out? Right. The, the, the same logic applies there, right? Yeah. So it, what matters is did you earn it, right? It, it's, it's all about earning it, not the administration of being paid, right? Because that's not 
the core of the relationship. The core of the relationship is you perform work and in exchange, you're entitled to be paid. So if you've done your end of the deal, the company can't avoid doing, you know, their end by saying, well, we just haven't paid you yet. Now we're going to fire you. Right. So, um, you know, number one, not only could you be owed a bonus, say you're fired in February, 2023, and you've worked all of 2022 and that 22 bonus just hasn't been paid. You could be certainly owed that, but you also could be owed the value of your bonus over the notice period. So if your severance entitlements are 24 months, not only could you be owed the bonus that's outstanding, but also two years of bonus that you would have gotten had you continued to be employed over the next two years. Let's get to an email quick from Nathan says, uh, hey, Andrew, I've been on a medical leave for eight months. I recently applied for long-term disability benefits and got denied by the insurer. My company now says I'm forced to return to work, even though my doctors all agree I should be off. Can they do this? Oh, well, Nathan, uh, Nathan, has a, that's an excellent question because that definitely comes up all the time. And sometimes I don't think the employer's even acting kind of intentionally you know, nefariously in in conducting themselves that way. What we see happen sometimes is someone's off work for medical reasons. Their doctors say they should be off work for medical reasons. They have an LTD policy with their company. So they apply for LTD and the insurer denies the LTD for whatever reason. And, and, you know, we have obviously our disability law show where we get into that all the time. The insurer denies, they're like, ah, we're not paying you out. We think you should be able to work or what have you. So the company looks at this and says, well, if the insurer um, doesn't think you should be paid long-term disability, then why are you off work at all? You should come back. But that is absolutely not the case. It does not matter at all what the insurer thinks or doesn't think about your disability benefits. As long as your doctors support the fact that you should be off work and they'll provide notes or documents to that effect, you are completely entitled to remain on a medical leave. So that's an excellent question by Nathan. If you have doctors, you're entitled to listen to your doctors, despite what the insurer might have to say. And the employer can't just rely on the insurer's kind of assessment of your situation when you have doctor's notes saying otherwise. We're going to see if we can get to uh, to Bill here on the line, see if I get Bill on the line. I get Bilal to do if I can't do it. Uh, yeah, Bilal, get him on for me. Bill uh, has a dismissal question if we, uh, if we get him going on. Uh, Bill, welcome to the show. How are you, pal? We got Bill? Uh, I think it's Jewel, not Bill. Oh, okay. How are you, man? What's going on? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Listen, yeah. this is a little bit, little bit funny question, but I'm just trying to clarify. Uh, you remember the Alan Carter and Jeff that are doing the global uh, show. I really love their shows. But the global management moved them in the TV station now instead of instead of doing the radio. So can they... Can they apply for constructive dismissal if they wanted to? <laughs> um, I mean, I assume in that situation they agreed to that, right? So, what when we talk about constructive dismissal, and it's an, it is definitely an interesting example. Mm. Um, when we talk about constructive dismissal, we're talking about scenarios where your employer is trying to force you to do something that changes your employment that you don't agree with. So for instance, if you're on the radio and that's your job and that's what you've been employed to do and that's what you've agreed to do and your employer comes to you and says, you know what, now I want you to do TV and that's what you're going to be doing from here on out, you don't have to agree to that. And if you don't agree to that, 
it can be considered a constructive dismissal since it is such a fundamental change um, right. from what you were doing before. But I imagine that in that instance, I don't have, I'm not privy to it at all, but I'm sure if they're on TV and still doing their job, that could have been something they agreed to. Um, unfortunately, I don't have enough information on that point. Bill, appreciate it, pal. And uh, we're going to move on to our, uh, our remaining topic here with the remaining time. We have a couple minutes, and this is situations that trigger employment law disputes. Here we go. When an employer resorts to a termination uh, for cause much too soon, they pull the trigger, as we say, much too soon, right? Right. And, you know, when we say much too soon, what we mean is if an employer wants to fire someone for cause being the employer thinks the employee did something wrong and isn't happy with their conduct, maybe their performance issues, maybe they're late to work, what have you. If they want to fire them for cause, which means they'll try to prevent giving them any severance, in order to have any case to do so, in order to make out that argument and succeed, 99 times out of 100, they'll have to use progressive discipline, which means they'll have to give them a warning or it may be a second warning and maybe a suspension. You can't just jump to a four cause termination just because something bad happens. Individuals more often than not have the right to be told what they're doing wrong and a chance to rectify those issues before an employer can actually fire you for cause. It's very, very difficult uh, to fire someone for cause. Here's another one that uh, could trigger that employment law dispute when an employer tries to call somebody an independent contractor to save money, even if, I'll add to this one, Andrew, even if they both agree to do so, the employer and the employee, right? Exactly. So, you know, oftentimes an employer and employee will say, look, I'm going to call you an independent contractor. Uh, you're not going to be employee on the payroll. You're going to have your own numbered company, and I'm going to pay you through invoices. And then when that independent contractor on paper is fired, the employer says, well, they're not an employee. I don't owe them severance. And, you know, they say, well, I don't owe you vacation pay while you're employed. I don't owe you holiday pay because you're not an employee. But it doesn't matter what an employer calls the employee. And it doesn't matter if they agree to be called a contractor. What matters is the relationship. And if you're an individual that works, you know, almost full-time for a company and relies on them for income and takes direction from the company, you're going to be treated like an employee no matter what you're called. And that is it for tonight. We're back in tomorrow at 6.30. Join us then. In the meantime, reaching Andrew and his team, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. And any other time, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show. (laughs) 